Hello, welcome to the Brazilian Health Nut Show. Here you will find cutting-edge information provided by the best experts in the world so you can learn how to burn fat for the rest of your life. Bruno de Gama is the Brazilian Health Nut in a mission to solve the problems you have when trying to lose weight forever. He is a nutritional therapy practitioner, a certified personal trainer, and a holistic lifestyle coach by the Czech Institute. Don't forget to say hello and sign up to our free newsletter at www.brazilianhealthnet.com. Let's go. All right, thank you so much for being here with me today, Jimmy. I super appreciate your time. Can you talk a little bit about your background and how you started with the Living La Vida Low Carb show? Yeah, it started a little over a decade ago. I was 410 pounds. What is that? About 180-ish kilo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. And uh, yeah, so a big boy, let's put it that way. I was on three prescription medications, high cholesterol, high blood pressure. I had some breathing issues. Uh, and at the age of 32, Bruno, I was a mess. I was literally a ticking time bomb uh, looking to get to an early grave. And I was drinking upwards of 16 cans of Coca-Cola every single day. I was having whole boxes of snack cakes and fast food, you name it, junk food-wise, I was putting it in my mouth. I did not care about food quality. I did not care about really anything I was putting in my mouth because I was happy and I didn't see anything wrong. Mm -hmm. But obviously, the handwriting is on the wall that your health uh, is in trouble and I could see things, obviously, being on three prescription medications should have made that abundantly clear, but... (laughs) But I did figure that out that I needed to make a change. But the problem was every time I wanted to make a change, I knew that I needed to eat a low-fat diet because that was kind of what was hammered into my head from a very early age. I grew up as a kid in the 1980s, and that's when low-fat mania was was pretty uh, pretty much at its apex. Um, everybody and their mama was eating a low-carb diet, and including my mama was having a low-carb diet. And... It, uh, it was kind of ingrained in me that to lose weight and to get healthy, you had to cut your fat and you had to eat healthy carbs like oatmeal and whole grain bread. And my mama used to get those little rice cakes. They're disgusting, by the way. Don't ever eat rice cakes, but rice <laughs> cakes and, and other things. Um, you know, and, and I grew up in a junk food culture as well. My mom was a single mom. So that's how I got to be 410 pounds. And so here we do, here we go rolling around Christmas of 2003. I get a diet book from my mother-in-law for Christmas. Okay. Yes. My mother-in-law was not so subtle in her hints that her son-in-law was fat. So, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, she gave me a book that was unlike any diet book I'd ever uh, gotten in my life. It was called Dr. Atkins New Diet Revolution. It was all about the Atkins diet and how to do it the right way. And so I'm reading this book and I'm seeing him talk about eating less carbs. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Eat less carbs? Isn't that how you get energy? Right. And then it said, eat more fat. More fat. This guy's a cardiologist and he's telling people to eat the very thing that we know will clog your arteries, raise your cholesterol, and give you heart disease. And yet, I had tried everything except for a low-carb, high-fat diet, Bruno, and I knew 
that I had to give something a try. So January 1st, 2004, I make it my New Year's resolution to lose weight eating the Atkins diet. Mm. And the first few days were pretty hellacious, I, I will admit now. I know now how to prevent that from happening, but then I was all by myself. There was no Twitter and Facebook, no podcast, nothing that would encourage me back then. People nowadays have lots and lots of resources. So yeah. I went on that diet, and the first month I lost 30 pounds, which was pretty significant. So I went from 410 to 380. Ooh, very slim 380. <laughs> and then the second, pound, uh, second month I lost another 40 pounds, and by the end of 100 days it was 100 pounds lost. And it was at that point that I realized this was so much more potent than simply a weight loss diet. Yes, weight loss was happening for me. But the, the bigger thing was I was coming off of those prescription drugs. Before we get into the low-carb diet and all the kind of things that I want to talk to you, there is a lot of people who are 32 years old, 400 pounds. I mean, I don't know if a lot of them are 400, but they have some problems with weight, right? Yeah. How did you decide to change? Was that just about the book that she, that she gave to you and so was more about misinformation than your mindset? Because it, a lot of people get books as gifts, but nothing changed, right? So how yeah. how do you see now, like, oh my God, I, I see yeah. that was like uh, I did this and then I started changing. So Bruno, it was the perfect storm because I had a mixture of getting that book and it being so revolutionary information, but I also had some epiphany moments. You know, people are like, what's the great moment that made you want to do this? And it wasn't just one moment. It was a series of moments I had where I'd get in and out of my car and I'd rip my pants. Uh -huh. And these were like the big and tall store pants that cost $75. And I'm like, okay, every t you do that like two or three times. You're broke, and you're, it's not very fun. And so that was one sign. Um, another sign was uh, substitute teaching, and I was writing the class uh, assignment for the day on the board, and this little kid yells out from the back, Man, Mr. Moore, you're really fat. Mm. And so you get those kind of like embarrassing-type moments. Um, and then um, I was trying to climb a rock wall at, the, uh, at like a local fair, And uh, I was watching these kids and adults do it, you know, alike. And I got up to do it and I thought, okay, I can do this. And I couldn't do it. I stepped up, you know, a couple of times and my leg kept slipping off. And I was going, what in the world is going on? Because at the time, I didn't realize I weighed 410 pounds. I thought I was like 330, 335, something like that. Mm. And so uh, that was kind of where I was in, uh, in my mindset at the time. Mm -hmm. And so getting that mindset that I wanted to change and then getting this book about how to change, it was just kind of the perfect storm of how I got this, got right. on this. So it came from a lot of uh, pain and then mixed with this, the book the, uh, about better information than you had at the time. So right. living a, a Vida Low Carb, for people who don't know, I mean, like, what is a low carb diet? Like, how would you define one? Yeah, so uh, just a low-carb diet is one in which you're eating a reduced amount of carbohydrates. Um, and the purpose of that is to reduce the blood sugar and the insulin response. Um, and, and what that does is it helps heal inflammation and some, some things called oxidative stress and some other things going on metabolically. Um, and so simply eating low-carb, you're going to re reduce your carbohydrate intake, and it's going to be different from person to person, Bruno. Okay. My low-carb diet today 
is about 25 to 30 grams of total carbohydrates, whereas someone else could eat maybe 100 grams of carbohydrates and still be pretty darn low carb. Right. So it's kind of hard to put a definition on what low carb is, but if you're just merely trying to be low carb, if you're trying to be lower than the standard American diet, anything less than 300 grams is going to be lower. But from a definition of what I would think is a pretty good low carb for most people, it's definitely under 100 grams. And if you're trying to step it up even further from that and be ketogenic, you definitely need to be well under 50 grams of carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a little later on about the difference between the two. But before, uh, what are the biggest mistakes you see people making when they're trying to change a diet and let's say going into a low-carb diet, for example? Yeah, yeah they, they buy into the marketing gimmicks. I think a lot of these companies out there realize uh, that people are on to them with the damaging effects of carbohydrates, so they, they try to put these gimmicks on the front packaging of uh, you know five net effective carbs and so people say oh that's only got five grams carbs but you turn it on the back and you realize it's really got about 23 or 24 grams of, of carbs and what they've done is they played math games with you and they say well you can subtract this carb and you can subtract this carb because they don't really count when in actuality they do count they still impact your blood sugar specifically uh it's like the um it's like the net carbs with fiber. So they try to say, well, you can eliminate all the fiber from your total carbs, and that gives you a net carb. So people end up eating more carbohydrates than they realize. So that's a huge one. Mm -hmm. uh, another thing that they do is they don't eat enough fat. So people cut their carbs, and they think, oh, if low carb is good, then low carb, low fat must be better. Right. And what they high don't protein. realize is – what's that? Then it becomes like a high, higher protein kind of diet. Exactly. So it's high protein. But then here's the other thing. When you don't eat carbohydrates as your primary source of fuel, guess what becomes the source of fuel in the absence of the carbohydrates? It's dietary fat. Exactly. And so you have to eat fat uh, in greater quantities, at least higher than, um, than what you would if you're eating a low-fat diet. So when you cut the carbs, eat more fat. If you want to eat less fat, then, then increase your carbs and you want to be a low-fat diet. That's the way you do that. But I don't obviously advocate for that. Mm -hmm. I think you should cut your carbs and eat more fat. And we can talk about uh, what protein does here in a second if you want. Yep, sure. Please do it. <laughs> oh, do it now. Okay. So, yes. <laughs> so in a ketogenic state, um, and, and ketogenic basically just means fat burning. So most people out there are sugar burning and uh, they're walking around basically fueling their bodies mostly with carbohydrates. So if you want to shift from sugar burner to fat burner, shift from being uh, kind of this standard American diet or low-fat diet over to more of a low-carb ketogenic diet, you got to cut down the carbs. That's what we've already been talking about. But the key here that a lot of people don't realize is you can also have a negative effect uh, on your ability to burn fat for fuel by eating too much protein. So that's mm. why protein moderation is so critical if you're going to eat a low-carb diet, you've got to moderate down on the protein. Now, that doesn't mean zero protein. You still need ample amounts of protein. And, Bruno, I mean, you know you, you eat plenty of protein to get those muscles that you have. Yes. And, and that's what you have to do. But you don't need as much protein as you might think. Right. And so for me, I already told you my carb tolerance is somewhere around 25 to 30 grams of carbs total a day. So that also means that I'm having – about 80 to 100 grams of protein a day, which is not a whole, whole lot. Um, and I'm six foot three, 
Um, and, and yeah, so 80 to 100 is what I have found is right for me. And the reason why protein moderation is so critical is too much protein can get converted if it's not used by the body, it, it can get converted into sugar in the body. Gluconeogenesis, right? Yes, gluconeogenesis. That's right. exactly right. And so that's basically a big, long G word that just says you eat too much protein, that protein gets sent to the liver, and the liver converts it into a usable energy source. And that energy source is glucose, which is sugar. And if you're trying to be ketogenic, you're trying to be fat burning, you're trying to shift away from being a sugar burner to a fat burner – you cannot produce too much sugar in your body or you won't be able to make that transition, which is why you want to moderate down on the protein so that you give your body just enough for what it needs to do uh, with the protein, what it's going to do, and then your, uh, the rest of your energy will come from fat, not from protein. Mm -hmm. Bringing back to the ketogenic uh, conversation, what's the biggest difference between a low-carb diet and a, like a very low-carb diet, like a ketogenic one? Is just about the amount of carbs? So the difference between a generalized low-carb Atkins-type plan, is that what you're asking? Yeah, just like ketogenic? Yeah, when you're talking about low-carb and very low-carb, that means it's just about the quantity of the carbohydrates, so let's say like 30 to 50 and then below 30 grams. Yeah, I, I think it, yeah. And, and it's going to, again, vary from person to person, Bruno, yes. because I think a carb tolerance level is going to dictate what level of carbohydrates you need to be consuming. Uh, like I told you, me, for example, I can have about 25 to 30 grams of carbs, and that's about it before, before I start seeing adverse effects in blood sugar and, uh, and weight gain and that kind of thing. Whereas my wife, Christine, she can probably have upwards of around 60 to 75 grams of carbs and get the same level of ketones. So it tells you the huge individuality of all of this that it's not a one-size-fits-all. So the difference between low-carb, very low-carb, it's real subtle. Um, but I would think that if you're very sensitive to carbohydrates where you have to keep your carbs down pretty darn low like me, uh -huh. you're also going to be very sensitive to protein. So if you have a higher tolerance level for carbs, you can probably get away with a little more protein. So in my book, Keto Clarity, that came out last year, um, we explain how you can figure out what your carb and protein thresholds are so that you know how to dial this in. Gotcha. So it's a little bit, it's a particular number, but it's pretty much the, the same in terms of the low, the, the difference between the low and the, the ketogenic is more the grams. But then you have to see if that's for you, works for you, and then you find out. Cool. Yeah, and some people do the Atkins diet, and unfortunately, Atkins made one huge mistake, hmm. and he said, keep the carbs low, which was brilliant. Keep it at 20 grams uh, to start, and that was brilliant, but what he said was then eat unlimited amounts of protein and fat, and what a lot of people did was they said, well, unlimited amounts of uh, fat and protein, I'll just have chicken breast because we know that's healthy. Mm -hmm. And it's not healthy in high amounts because you're getting too much protein, not enough fat. So that was a huge mistake there of a general low-carb uh, Atkins-style diet that didn't give enough fat and too much protein. And that's what's doomed a lot of people and why a lot of people are interested now in this ketogenic approach because it does kind of dial in a little more what the Atkins diet started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Do you think... People look at you and they see all this success with losing weight with a low-carb diet. However, is that for everyone or it's more particular to the person again to, to find out if that's, it's, that's the right kind of diet for the person? 
Great question, Bruno. And I, anybody that knows my work knows that I am all about find what works for you, follow that exactly, and then keep doing it for the rest of your life. And if you're a vegetarian and you're seeing success eating a vegetarian diet and you're healthy and happy and everything about your life is going awesomely because of that vegetarian diet, guess what I'm going to be? I'm going to be the biggest cheerleader of you being on a vegetarian diet. So I'm not so dogmatic to think that everybody needs a low-carb diet. I do think that the vast majority of the population is dealing with something called insulin resistance and that they're going to have to heal that. And the best way to heal insulin resistance is with a low-carb ketogenic diet. So for those people, if you have extra body fat on your on your body, if you have uh, diabetes, if you have rising blood sugar levels, if you have any kind of disease state, I think you could probably benefit from a ketogenic diet. Is that all of the population? No. Is it most of the population? I think so. Mm-hmm. So it's about testing. How, there is no like um, a way to do it without testing it out for yourself, right? Uh, yep. Okay. Gotcha. And there's certainly no downside to testing it. That's, that's the big take yeah. home, Bruno, I want people to hear is what we're talking about at the end of the day is real food. So if you're consuming real food, um, there's really no downside to consuming real food at all. You're nourishing your body with, with foods that your body was intended to consume. Your body was never intended to consume Coca-Cola or Doritos or any of this junk food that's kind of out there and unfortunately has damaged the metabolisms of a whole lot of people. Um, and even people, and this is the one that really gets me, Bruno, you're still kind of young yourself. Um, people your age and, and younger, they think they're invincible. And yes. so they think, oh, I can have all of this junk food. It's not bothering me right now. What they don't realize is deep down inside, the damage has already begun. And if they can stop that damage from happening right now, by the time they get to their upper 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, they're going to be real glad that they didn't damage their, themselves to the point of no return. Yeah, that's very true. I, I Wish somebody this. had slapped me upside the head early on. <laughs> I could I have avoided all this. With my friends, like um, on the, their 20s, and they can do pretty much anything, and they get away with it. But at the end of the day, later on, they're going to have some problems, like you just yeah. said. There's that's a so phrase true. out there that's called payday someday. <laughs> yes. Talking about carbohydrates specifically, are all carbs created the same or there, there is a distinction between, let's say, just sugar and sweet potato, for example? Yeah, great question again. Um, yeah, definitely sugar and grains are the most egregious. And I would say the refined versions of those things uh, are the most egregious in your diet as far as carbohydrates go. Obviously, green leafy vegetables, non-starchy vegetables for the people that are very sensitive to carbohydrates. And for people that are less sensitive to carbohydrates, definitely uh, that's where the sweet potatoes can come into play. For those people um, are going to be some of the better carb sources. So don't hear me say that this is a no-carb diet. It's not no carbs. It's just making sure you're getting the right quality kind of carbs in there. Mm -hmm. Nobody needs to be consuming refined grains refined sugars, those are going to be the ones that will cause the most harm in just about anybody. You know, maybe you have a friend that he sees a donut and he can eat it and it's not a big deal, but you just look at the donut and smell it and you're gaining 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. So there's a huge difference from person to person. Um, and yeah, quality of carbs does matter. Yes. Any difference in particular about, let's say, white potato and sweet potato? How do you handle that? Because I see a a lot of people, they, oh, we can have the yams, and the, but white potato, you should not have. How do you yeah. see that? 
Uh, for me personally, I can't have either. <laughs> and so that makes it real easy. Which one? Neither. And so I think it's because I know my body and I know how those things react in me. That doesn't mean I never, ever, ever have those things, but it means I know that if I do, I'm going to have consequences in my blood sugar and quite possibly in my weight as a result. So it's another one of those things. Get yourself a blood glucose monitor, test and see how you do. If you're able to consume a white potato um, you know, and a half an hour later, an hour later after you're, you've eaten that, your blood sugar hasn't gone crazy on you, then it's okay probably for you in, in those quantities. But for most people, again, that have that insulin resistance, they're going to have trouble with even a sweet potato uh, causing those issues. So you have to, you just have to know that about yourself. And the only way you'll know is if you test. Mm-hmm. You just mentioned insulin resistance. Can you elaborate it a little more for people who don't know what it is? Yeah. So, Over time, the pancreas starts to get a little bit sluggish. So think about your engine in your car. So if you drive your car and you never change the oil, what's going to happen? That engine's going to start to spit and sputter and it's just going to make all kind of weird noises at you because it's not running at optimal function. Well, that's exactly what happens when we feed our bodies lots of carbohydrates, especially the refined ones we talked about earlier it's going to make your pancreas start to spit and sputter and it's not responding quite the same way. So the way the pancreas works is if you consume a, a something that's going to raise your blood sugar, so once ra- uh, blood sugar is raised in the blood, then insulin is produced by the pancreas. Well, insulin's job is to bring that blood sugar back down. It, it slams that sugar into the cells for energy, okay? Mm-hmm. So if you're... If you're doing that over a period of time, you're overloading your body with blood sugar. Guess what happens to that ability of the insulin to to put it into the cells, put the sugar into the cells? It can't do it as efficiently. So it's like having, you know, crimes happening all over your city and you only have, you know, 10 police cars. They all can't get to the to the scene of the crimes all at the same time. So you kind of have this higher levels of blood sugar that happen and that's when insulin resistance comes in because the body can't keep up with all the crime, so to speak, the blood sugar, uh, because the insulin is not able to be there in the amount that it was before. So when you inhibit that ability for the pancreas to make enough insulin to bring the blood sugar down, then you have insulin resistance and it's extremely difficult for those people to be able to eat very many carbohydrates without it raising the blood sugar immensely. That's why a low-carb ketogenic diet is so effective. Mm, cool. Before, when we are setting up this conversation, I told my podcast it's related to burning fat and losing weight, and you mentioned that you are not like a big fan of just focus on the weight loss, and I'm all about that too. How would you go about having this conversation with somebody who is obese or having problems with their weight and trying to explain to them that your weight's going to be a consequence of everything that you're going to be doing and changing your lifestyle and then it's going to come naturally, right? However, people like, oh, they want immediate results and on, especially on the world that we live in nowadays, it's all about like now, now, now. Right. How would you start a conversation with a person like that? So I can certainly understand as a former 410-pound man, the allure of going on a diet is to lose weight. I can certainly understand that 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 would be a huge selling point if you tell people if you do this, you're going to lose weight. But I've shifted my philosophy quite a bit from when I first started doing this a decade ago, Bruno, to now because I have all that wisdom of the past 10 years now. And what I would explain to someone in that situation is – 
let, don't step on the scale. Mm-hmm. Don't let the scale kind of dictate your attitude about how you're doing in this because a lot of people, they get tied to that scale, Bruno, and they feel like all of their self-worth about what they're doing in this is all tied to what that stupid little machine that they're stepping on is telling them. And sometimes that scale can be a lying liar who lies and will frustrate the crap out of you. And I don't like that. I think if we put the focus more on health gain rather than weight loss, then you have the right perspective uh, about this. And the interesting thing is when you are gaining health, Something magical happens as a huge side effect of that. Guess what it is? Weight loss. And so I think if you put the focus on health first and they happen to lose weight at the same time, then it takes all the pressure off of, oh, I've got to lose weight. Now it's about, oh, I've got to gain health. And in the process of gaining that health, you will lose weight. Yes, totally agree with you. Even myself, people don't know much about it. I never had problems with weight. But when I was growing up, I was super skinny. So, I mean, I had problems with weight, not about losing weight, right? Right. The other and end. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I hated to just to step on the scales. All like a shame and all this relationship about body image, which is the same thing as with somebody who is struggling with obesity, for, exa- for example. It's a different subject, but it's pretty much the same thing. It's about body image. So, yeah, definitely I would recommend everybody to kind of like throw away the scale and focus yes. on action. And just... I'll bring my sledgehammer over and help you break yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. You have a book called The 21 Life Lessons from Living La Vida Low Carb, right? I oh, haven't read the book history. yet. Ooh, that's a long time ago. I wrote that one. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I haven't read uh, read the book yet. Can you share a little bit about those 21 lessons with us? Yeah, I wrote that book way back in 2009. I actually had been online uh, right after I lost my weight, which I ended up losing a total of 180 pounds in 2004, totally changed my life, started blogging in 2005, and then started podcasting in 2006, which I'm most famous for now as being a podcaster. So uh, I started kind of compiling all of these lessons that I had learned in those first few years after losing the weight that, hey, there's so many things about what we know to be true um, in health and and nutrition and diet and fitness that are just plain not true. And there's a lot of things that we haven't been told. And so I thought, let's put that together in a book. So everything from cholesterol to, uh, you know, just basically life changing, you know, my life totally changed, not just physically from the weight loss, my career changed. I now do this professionally for a living, a professional podcaster and author. So I just wanted to kind of compile all of those lessons that I had learned into one, uh, one book. And actually what's interesting about the 21 life lessons book is it's, it sold so well that it's what got me the book deal that I have with a major publisher now. So it was pretty cool to, uh, to see that get out there. And now I'm reaping the, the benefits of that with these new books I'm able to write. Cool. Awesome. I live in the USA right now, but I'm in Brazil at this moment uh, with my family. And every time when I, I'm in the USA and I'm talking to people, I'm from Brazil and they, oh, pretty healthy place. Everybody's beautiful. Everybody's super <laughs> healthy, right? And I was like, wait a second. Actually, not really true. And yeah. especially when I come back, every time I come back, I'm really observer guy. And I'm always looking, not just the weight. Uh, in terms of the outside, but the energy, the, their eyes and vitality and everything related to health. 
And man, every time I come back down here, it's worse and worse. Why yeah. do you think every single country pretty, pretty much has problems with weight and health? Why it's, what's going on like with that? I think America has exported more than we realize. We've exported our way of living. And you've lived here, Bruno. You, you do live here. Yes. And so you know what it's like with the, the culture. I, I just got back from Europe uh, about a month or so ago. And the culture of food there, yes, it can have its bad spots. But you have more opportunity to find really good quality food. But I think people have become addicted to the westernized, the Americanized food system that you feed people Coca-Cola and Twinkies and Doritos and all these kind of junk foods. And I'm assuming all that stuff is there in yeah. Brazil. Sorry to interrupt you. Would you, what would you say if I, if I tell you that actually it's easier for me to be health, eat, eating healthier in the USA than in Brazil? Really? I would say you need to come to South Carolina and you'll see how really freaking hard it can be to eat healthy here. <laughs> Where do you live? California? Uh, I, I was in California now for three months, but I was in New York City for six years. Ah. But I like the, the thing for me, it's easier just because of the technology. Like I, I can order pretty much all my food online nowadays in the, yes. in the United States, at least. Here in Brazil, they still... Starting with the internet, like the the business on the internet, the food business, yeah. right? So that's yeah. why I say it's a little easier for me in the United States. But for sure, we have, have some farmers? good fruits and vegetables here too. Do they not have farmers markets locally there in Brazil? Well, no, we, d we definitely do, but it's not as much. And depending on the area, like you said, you live in South Carolina. I, yeah. I'm pretty good here where I live. I'm in, a, in an island in the south of Brazil called Florianópolis, which you should go if you come to Brazil, by the way. I would love to go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's super nice, especially now it's summertime here. Anyway, so we have options here and, and seafood is really good. So I try yes. to focus on the local. Like, for example, here it's an island, so I have access to seafood. So that's what I focus on. You know, a lot of oysters and fish and crab and other kind of good stuff. And we have uh, markets. But if you go throughout Brazil as a whole, people don't have access. However, all the corporations, the big corporations, they have access to those things. There wow. is an amazing documentary, a Brazilian documentary. I forgot the name right now. But they, they talk about it and they go from low-income uh people to high mm -hmm. income to the amazon even on amazon it's crazy like this little kid i remember rolling around and screaming and crying for coca-cola because their parents cut it down on coca-cola and he wow. was so addicted to it. and he was super young i mean he was like six seven years old and i was like so sad i was like oh my god that's crazy you know what's going on in, today you know what i've seen that over in south africa i was able to speak a little bit earlier this year in cape town south africa and the same thing is happening there coca-cola has so gotten into the poorest parts of that country that they now like have big placards across, you know, certain parts of the city. I even saw Coca-Cola has sponsored, this is no lie, Bruno, they're the sponsor, the corporate sponsor on a hospital. So oh. as you walk into the hospital, you see the Coca-Cola logo right above your head as you walk in. It's pretty disgusting how these junk food companies, they're really desperate. They are trying hard. They know that the Uh, that the American consumer for sure is on to them regarding the, the sugar that's in there and they're trying to cut down and they're losing profit. So where are they turning? They're turning to these poor countries and doing desperately trying to get them addicted so that they'll start buying their sugary swill, as I call it. 
Mm-hmm. So what's the solution? I have my opinion, but I would lo- love to hear yours in terms of how we can start to solve this problem. Do we have to start with ourselves or it has to come from the government, for example? Oh, no, I don't think the government's worth uh, as far as I can spit. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't trust them to, and I don't want them taxing anything. I don't think that's the answer either. It definitely is going to be individual responsibility. I mean, you're doing this podcast here. I do my podcast. I think we're getting the message out to the people. The people listening here right now uh, are the ones that are going to have to make change. And then those people then go out and influence their family and their friends and their coworkers. And little by little, we are making a difference. I mean, I've been out here doing this for a decade now, Bruno. Yeah, awesome. And it, it's been amazing to watch the transformation that has happened. That's really not a real long time, a decade. But I'm, I'm thinking in the next decade, we're going to see some cataclysmic changes in the way things are done in the food culture. It has to happen. There's just no way they can stop this, this uh, onslaught of the tidal wave of people that are are trying to give up these things that they know are making them unhealthy. You know, I only wish I had known this information sooner. And I definitely credit the internet coming on real strong. I mean, think about it. The past decade, we've seen Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and now Periscope's out there, all these kind of social media things and the proliferation of podcasts. This podcast would not exist if there was no online world, Yes, you know, and all the blogs. So I think Online has really been a huge, huge part of the growth of this kind of alternate uh, hypothesis movement that we don't have to eat low fat anymore, that there is a better way. Yeah. I'm just here today doing what I do and being healthy as I am because of the internet. I I wasn't I never had huge problems, but I never knew what to eat. For example, you know I, anything. We have no education in Brazil about food, no education about anything related to health. Yeah. I, I I always played sports, so I thought I was healthy. But man, when I started to change my diet, that was a like a different different level and yes. that just happened because a friend of mine introduced me to this guy sean croxon you, sh- you probably know him yo what's up y'all yeah what's up y'all so talking about health and i was like hooked and i was like just learning as much as i could and applying on myself and seeing the great results and i was like oh my god that's like amazing i have to share this with people and then i start my my own journey and i haven't for example being being sick now for i don't know like over three, four years, like not even a cold. So I Very think nice. everybody deserves to have that. So that's the, our role is to share this kind of information with people. Bring- see, that's a huge selling point too. You know, we're getting back to the, you know, how do you help somebody that's, you know, really big to, to lose weight? Do you, do you focus on the weight loss? And I say, no, you want to be not sick? That's mm-hmm. how to do it. And, and, you know, that's a huge selling point for a lot of people. I didn't have health insurance for most of the past 10 years. And I wow. just now got health insurance. Uh, I just bought some health insurance this year for the first time in a decade. Now, thankfully, in that decade, I never got seriously ill. I never had any need for health care because of my diet. And that's kind of the beauty of this way of eating. Yeah, that's amazing. Man. Congratulations for that. Thank you. Um, we've talked a lot about low-carb diet, nutrition. Anything else that you did and then do you think people should know about when they're trying to lose weight forever? Yeah, I, I think just finding that diet that's going to be right for you. I think a lot of people, they they feel like, okay, well, nothing ever works. Well, have you tried truly everything? Have you truly tried a low-carb, high-fat diet? Or, or let's just say this, have you tried low-carb? 
mm-hmm. implement that first. And then if that's not enough, then maybe try to step it up a little more. Maybe go paleo low carb. So you're eating more of the real foods. Okay, that didn't quite work. So then you can add in the next little wrinkle in it is the ketogenic approach. And that's where you can test for the ketones. It's what we talked all about in my book, Keto Clarity. So that's another thing you can try. And then the latest thing that I'm doing that I'm sharing about and doing some N equals one experiments on is fasting. Okay. And you, so, you, so implementing some intermittent fasting, so where you try to just eat within an eight-hour window and then you fast for 16 hours, that seems daunting to a lot of people. But what you'll find is when you're truly satisfied and your hunger is under control, um, you can easily fast for that long. And then maybe that's not enough. Maybe you need to fast every other day. So Monday you eat, Tuesday you don't eat, Wednesday you eat, Thursday you don't, you don't eat, and so forth and so on and see how that works for you. Then if that's not enough, maybe try a little longer fast. I'm currently uh, on day 15 of, a, of an extended fast just to kind of see if that can lower that insulin load that we were talking about earlier and improve some of this insulin resistance. So little by little, you kind of add new things to it and just see how you do. Cool. What would you do differently from 2004, knowing everything that you know nowadays, so people don't have to kind of go through the same struggles that you have to do and all of that, with all the knowledge that you have nowadays? What do you think you do differently? Oh, what a great question, Bruno. Nobody <laughs> has ever asked me that question, I'm, I, and I love it because I would eat real food from the start. Okay. Because when I first started, it was just about eat low carb, so I was eating some of the processed low carb stuff. And I would have stayed away from all that. I would have stayed away from the Atkins bars and all of this kind of processed junk that I now know is junk. I would have also counted total carbs and not net carbs. Um, I would have also been very, very cognizant of, of eating too much protein. So if I had three bits of advice, eat real food, don't eat the junky uh, – low-carb crap that's out there <laughs> right. um, and, and stick to real food and count total carbs and then don't eat too much protein. If you do those three things, you'll be well on your way to success. And I know I would have seen maybe a little bit of healing a little bit sooner had I done it that way. But you know what? Better late than never. Just get off of the standard American diet, the crappy garbage, as I like to call it, <laughs> um, and get on real food that's going to nourish your body. You'll, your body will love you for that. And yes, it may take many, many years to truly heal your body, but it's a journey worth taking. Got it. Great tips. One last question for you. So people are listening to this right now. They are motivated probably by the um, great information that you're providing. But if you have to just give like one little step, right? Because sometimes it can be overwhelming to do everything at once. Just yep. one little step for the person who is listening to this right now. What would that be? Easy. Cut sugar. Cut sugar. If you just cut sugar out of your diet, you're going to get most of those corporate crappy carbs that I was talking about out of your diet. And for me, it was it was soda. Now that doesn't mean replace hidden the sugar too, right? What's that? Hidden sugars too, not just like the white sugar that everybody knows when they're adding oh, on, yeah. on coffee. Oh my gosh, there's hidden sugars in all kinds of things. Ketchup has sugar in it. Did you know that? A lot of uh, a lot of the salad dressings have sugar in them. So yeah, look for the hidden sugars for sure. Yeah. Uh, for people, I just interview. Do do you know that? Have you watched the movie that sugar film? Of course, Damon Gamow. Yes. So we just talk about all that. So for people who want to know more about the that is a great film, by the way. It's yeah. hilarious and yet yeah. so educational. Well worth watching. 
Yeah, it was great. I think so, it's 99 cents to rent in America right now. I saw that the other day. I was like, whoa. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I, I watched it on Amazon. It was two ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, it's 99 cents for, I, I don't know if it's a limited time, but I saw that and I went, whoa, definitely. It's worth two ninety nine too, but definitely go watch that. Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much. So what's next for you now? You have all these books. You have a podcast for a long time. Anything yep. else you've, you're working on right now? Two things. I'm starting a brand new podcast in the new year called Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. So yes, I, I also have a Friday podcast I've been doing called Low Carb Conversations with Jimmy Moore and Friends that talks about the health headlines. But this new podcast is going to be all about answering questions about ketogenic diets. So if you want to get your nerd on about keto and uh, learn more about it, then me and Dr. Adam Nally are going to start this uh, brand new podcast December 31st of this year. And uh, it's going to air on Thursdays uh, in the new year. And so Keto Talk with Jimmy Moore and the Doc. Look for that on iTunes coming in the new year. And then I'm also, uh, I've also uh, signed a contract to write my next book all about the fasting that I was just talking about. Mm -hmm. So that one will be called Fasting Clarity coming in November next year. Cool. That's awesome, yeah. man. That's a lot of passion I can see and that you are inspiration for everybody here. Just wanted you to know that. Thank you, Bruno. Appreciate where, it, buddy. Where people can find you? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, so I have a website, livinlavidalowcarb.com, and that has all of my podcasts, blog, books, everything. Or if that's too much to remember, just Google my name, Jimmy Moore, and the whole first page and a half is all my stuff. <laughs> cool. That's awesome. All right, Jimmy, thank you so much for your time today. It was an awesome conversation, and I talk to you soon, man. Thank you, bud. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Brazilian Health Nut Show. Go to www.brazilianhealthnut.com for much more information about how to burn fat for the rest of your life. Hasta luego.